Intermittent fasting is more likely to put a woman in a state of high stress and it is more likely to break down her muscle. It's more likely to make her body want to hold on to that extra bit of fat. Welcome to How Do You Feel, a podcast with info and inspo to help you tune in to your fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I'm your host, Casey Zavaleta, and together we'll explore how we can optimize our physical and mental health so that we radiate positivity and happiness from the inside out. Hello, everyone. Welcome to How Do You Feel? Today's podcast is all about fasting. This is a huge topic in the health and fitness industries right now. I know a lot of people have tried it, a lot of people have dabbled in it, and they've had varying levels of success. You hear the people that absolutely fall in love with it and see whatever it is, the results that they were seeking within a couple of weeks. And then you see other people who don't do so well on it and don't see any results and have some energy level problems. And so today I wanna talk about the upsides and the downsides of fasting. And I'm gonna give you some considerations for how you can decide whether intermittent fasting might be right for you. First, let's talk about what intermittent fasting is. There are lots of different schemes that you can use, but the basic principle is that you're eating for a certain window of time during the day, and then you're not eating and not consuming anything for the other hours of the day. People have different philosophies about what you can and can't consume during your fasting window. They say that as long as it's not something that's going to spike your blood sugar, so something like coffee, which isn't caloric and isn't gonna cause an insulin spike, some people say is fine to drink in that window where you're not eating food. The most typical scheme that I've seen people do is choosing an eight hour window in which they're eating and then they're not eating for the other 16 hours of the day. A lot of people like to do it from noon to eight where they eat. So essentially they're skipping breakfast and then they're making sure that their dinner is finished by 8 p.m. Of course, there are other schemes that you can use as well for intermittent fasting. You could do different times of windows. There is one window for people that are really extreme called the warrior diet, where they only eat for four hours of the day. So they're trying to get all of their calories into a very small four hour window. Other people like to try one 24 hour fast every month. So they're not doing a daily eating window, but instead they're doing one longer fast every month. And the people that are doing that are really looking for more of the benefits along the longevity and detoxification side of things versus the people that are trying intermittent fasting because they've heard it's effective for weight loss. Why has intermittent fasting gotten so much attention over the last couple of years? The biggest reason and the reason that most people try intermittent fasting is because they believe it's an effective weight loss tool. And there are studies that have shown that people do lose weight when they start intermittent fasting. 
I'm gonna get into some of the details of why that might be later, but it doesn't necessarily work perfectly for everyone. I would argue that one of the main reasons why it works is because when you reduce your eating window during your day, you're probably by default also reducing the number of calories that you're eating during the day. So you're probably not fueling yourself as much either, which in the short term, we know will lead to body composition changes and weight loss. In addition, a lot of people like to use it because this concept of being fat adapted, which is the reason that people use the ketogenic diet, has also become very popular and very sought after. There are certainly camps of people that exist that are obsessed with being fat adapted. It is a good thing for our bodies to be able to use fat for fuel. The different macronutrients, so carbs and fats, fuel our bodies during different activities throughout our day. It's always a ratio. So I would argue that we would want to have metabolic flexibility so that our body can choose to use carbs when it needs and can choose to use fats when it needs to fuel its activities. In general, when you're doing more low intensity activities, so when you're working or when you're taking a light walk outside, you are burning fat mostly for fuel. As you get into the more high intensity activities, like a challenging workout, sprinting, a really taxing lift, anything where you're trying to generate power, you're gonna be using more carbohydrates for fuel. So we want to be able to use both. And yes, if your body is not good at using fat for fuel, intermittent fasting can help with that. We're gonna talk more about what I see as the upsides to intermittent fasting in a second, and that is one of them. The next biggest reason that Intermittent fasting has become so popular is because there are studies that show that it helps with longevity. On our chromosomes, there are caps on the ends that are called telomeres. And these telomeres will, with age, degenerate. So over time, they degenerate. And the rate of degeneration can determine what scientists call your biological age. So instead of your absolute age, your biological age is the rate of aging that has occurred within your DNA. As telomeres shorten, it predisposes you more to degenerative diseases like cancer and Alzheimer's. So it's definitely important to think about what we can do to protect our telomeres. They are very important. And research has shown that intermittent fasting helps to protect those. It helps to slow biological aging. Let's talk about the upsides that I see of intermittent fasting. The first one is it can help very much with blood sugar regulation. What is blood sugar regulation? When you eat something, especially something that's higher in carbs, it causes sugar to flow into your bloodstream. Your body's response to sugar in your bloodstream is to release insulin. Insulin is a hormone that helps shuttle the glucose from our blood into cells so that it can be used for fuel. 
If over a very long period of time, you eat a diet that causes your blood sugar to spike high, which then causes a very intense influx of insulin into your blood, you can develop something called insulin resistance, where your cells start to not become as sensitive to the signals that insulin sends it because it's too much. It has insulin in the system too often, and so the signaling between insulin and the cells starts to dampen. If you have blood sugar regulation problems, so if you are insulin resistant or diabetic or trending towards either of those two things, then intermittent fasting can be a very effective way for you to reverse that and to try to become more insulin sensitive. The reason is that when you're intermittent fasting, your insulin levels in your body should be very low. So that time where insulin is low allows your cells to resensitize to the effects of insulin because it's not this constant signaling from it anymore. If you don't have blood sugar regulation problems, and one easy way to tell if you maybe do is if you're having really, if you have really intense energy spikes and dips during the day, and especially if you're having a really intense afternoon crash, it could be indicative that you've got some blood sugar stuff going on. But if that's not you, then this benefit is kind of nil. It doesn't make a difference for you. The next big upside I see to intermittent fasting is for longevity. I just talked about this, about the telomeres, the caps on our chromosomes, and how intermittent fasting can slow the degeneration of those caps, essentially decreasing our biological age. Intermittent fasting can also be beneficial for detoxification. There's something that builds up in your body called oxidative stress. When there are a lot of free radicals, which are very, very reactive molecules floating around in your system. Antioxidants are the things that mitigate those. And I should say that free radicals are normal. They're a normal result of biological processes that should be going on in your body. The problem occurs if these free radicals build up too much and we have what's called oxidative stress going on in the body. So what intermittent fasting does is it gives your cells a break from digesting, from doing all the other things that it needs to do when you're digesting and when you're trying to convert carbs and fats into energy, and it allows cells to do the work of clearing out free radicals and reducing oxidative stress going on in the body. So it can have great benefits for detoxification. I've talked on the podcast before about circadian rhythms and how important it is to regulate your circadian rhythms, both for your sleep quality, but also for the quality of every other biological system and function of your body. When you're intermittent fasting, you tend to have very regular meal times. If you're doing a certain window, eating window of time, then you're starting to eat at the same time every single day and you're stopping to eat at the same time every single day. And that can help regulate your circadian rhythm in a very impactful way, which can be very good for you. 
If you want to learn more about sleep and circadian rhythms, I've done two episodes in the past that you should go check out. That's episode 31, which I talked all about sleep and the benefits of sleep and why you should be getting enough. And then also episode 40, where I talked to Ben Pratt and we talked about sleep chronotypes. Lots of good stuff in there if you want to learn more about sleep. There is a residual benefit from intermittent fasting on regulating your meal times. Of course, intermittent fasting isn't the only way to do that, but it is an effect. The final upside that I see that for sure doesn't apply to everyone is that your body will become more fat adapted when you intermittent fast. The way I see it personally, I think this only benefits long distance endurance athletes who need to be able to effectively and efficiently tap into their fat stores to fuel the activity that they want to do. For those of us who are not competitive athletes or we're not trying to run a marathon, we don't need to be fully fat adapted. I believe that we should be fueling ourselves with a good balance of carbs and fat so that our body can decide and choose what it needs for any given activity in our day. The reason that long distance endurance athletes might want to be fat adapted is they'll reach a point about two hours into their activity where the body has used up all of its glycogen stores, which is the way that it stores glucose um, that's very readily available for use. It will have used up all of its liver and muscle glycogen stores at about the two hour mark. And from there, if the body is not fat adapted enough, it will hit a bit of a wall as far as energy is concerned. But if the body is able to effectively, efficiently use fat for fuel, then that athlete will be able to continue through their race with an appropriate amount of energy. When I polled people on Instagram this past week asking for questions about intermittent fasting, the biggest theme that I saw was, is intermittent fasting safe for women? Should women be doing it? What effect does intermittent fasting have on our hormones? This is the most important part of this podcast. Men and women are different. Most of the studies that are done about weight loss results on intermittent fasting have been done on men. And there is new research that's coming out and showing, well, it's new-ish, really, the last couple of years, we've started to see that women actually do not respond the same to intermittent fasting, yet we're doing it as if we should be. What we know is that when men are in a fasted state, it puts them in a more parasympathetic state. In general, men will be able to maintain low cortisol levels. Cortisol is our stress hormone in the body. Men will be able to maintain low cortisol levels during their fasting window. However, fasting has more of a tendency to put women into a sympathetic state. So we are more likely to have higher cortisol during that fasting window. Why is this a problem? Cortisol is catabolic. It wants to break down tissues in order to supply the body energy. If we think about it, if you're in a stress state, the body's assuming that you're going to need some fuel. 
So if cortisol is high, what happens is it goes in and it starts to break down glycogen or it starts to break down muscle tissue in order to give the body the fuel that it assumes it needs. So when cortisol levels are high during this fasting period, for a lot of women, it can actually be quite catabolic and we can break down muscle that we want to keep. This effect is even more intense during the second half of a woman's cycle called the luteal phase. If you wanna learn more about the different phases of a woman's cycle and different considerations and the hormones that are relevant in each phase of a woman's cycle, then go back to episode 13 and listen to my episode with Jen Pike where she lays it all out for us. What you should know in general is that depending on what phase of a cycle a woman is in, she needs different types of fuel, she needs different types of rest, she needs different types of training, We are not the same every day of the month and we have to start understanding that and embracing that. So this spike in cortisol, this high cortisol effect happens even more intensely when a woman is in the second half of her cycle. In addition, we know that women need a certain baseline level of carbohydrates in order to maintain their hormonal health. If you want to make sure that your adrenals keep working if you want to maintain your sexual function and your reproductive capacity then you need to be eating carbohydrates we can't go as women completely low carb and expect to not see hormonal effects from that so if you're intermittent fasting by default you're going for a pretty long window of time without any carbohydrates and that can have a negative effect on your hormones So now let's talk about what I see as the downsides of intermittent fasting. The first one, which I think might be the most important one, is that nine times out of 10, the reason that people seek intermittent fasting is because they're looking to lose weight. They're using it as a diet. I just read an amazing book for the All Day Fit book club called The Fuck It Diet that explains the intense negative effects that can result when you have a restrictive mentality. It doesn't take much to trigger your brain to think that it's in a famine state. If your body thinks that it's in a famine state, it's going to start triggering you to binge, cortisol levels are going to spike, Your body is going to start revving its metabolism down so that it can conserve energy for the famine. Your body is going to start holding on to its fat stores if it thinks that it's in a famine. The things that can trigger your brain to think famine are going for long periods of time where you're hungry, restricting certain foods or food groups, or in general, just stopping before you've had enough and before your body feels satisfied. So if we think about that concept and how detrimental it can be to have this restriction mentality for your mental well-being, but also your physical health, and then we translate that and think about intermittent fasting. Likely, if you're intermittent fasting, you're going for periods of time where you're feeling pretty hungry during the day. That's not good. 
And if you're not feeling hungry and you're never feeling hungry, I would question how your metabolism is doing. And I would question whether you've revved your metabolism down so much that your body no longer signals that it has an appetite. If you want to learn more about why diets don't work, about why seeking weight loss is not always the best for our health, then I highly recommend that you read The Fuck It Diet. There are so many things in that book that resonate so much with me, thinking back to my experience with my eating disorder and coming out of it and how I've seen my body respond. The next biggest downside pertains particularly to women, and we just talked about it. Intermittent fasting is more likely to put a woman in a state of high stress, and it is more likely to break down her muscle. It's more likely to make her body want to hold on to that extra bit of fat on her body. If what you're seeking is body composition changes, I would challenge you to get the men's mentality out of your head about intermittent fasting and low carb. And I would challenge you to learn how to properly fuel your body as a female and to eat carbohydrates, to eat regularly throughout the day. It seems counterintuitive based on all of the things that we hear from the fitness and nutrition industries right now, but the science is telling us that that's what we need to do as females. Another big downside that I see is that if you're intermittent fasting, if you're doing fasted workouts, your workouts are not going to be as effective. First of all, you're gonna have less power during your workouts. And second of all, what happens when we work out? We break down our muscle to stimulate it to grow more. But if we don't have the nutrients in our bodies that we need in order to make our muscles grow, then all we're doing is breaking muscles down even further. So it just exacerbates the catabolic effects that we see when we train in a fasted state as women. Again, this is different for men. So how do we get the best of both worlds? How do we protect our reproductive and hormonal systems as a female and reap the other benefits like the longevity and the detoxification and the circadian rhythms that come from intermittent fasting? Here's what I recommend that you do. I think that everyone should be giving their body 12 hours off from eating. In the book, The Circadian Code, the author explains how many of the benefits, many of the benefits of protecting your telomeres and detoxification for the body and the awesome, the better health outcomes when it comes to heart disease and brain diseases like Alzheimer's and cancer, like all of these things, most of the benefits happen at the 12 hour mark. You don't have to be fasting for 16 hours to see the benefits from those things. Many of us get in a mentality of more is always better. And maybe if we're thinking about just those benefits, maybe technically 16 hours is 1% better than 12 hours. But if we're gaining most of the benefits after 12 hours, we need to think about how in the short term we're hurting our bodies by doing the 16. So I would suggest having a 12 hour eating window 
and a 12 hour window where you're giving the body the break from digesting, which is very good for it. You're giving it the time to regulate the blood sugar. You're allowing yourself to not have food in your system while you're sleeping. In order to maximize your sleep quality, I think it's a really good idea not to eat about two hours before bed. And again, in my sleep episode, I go into more detail as to why that is. It's better for your digestive system. It'll improve your sleep quality. You don't want to be eating too close to bedtime. So think about that when you're thinking about what your 12-hour window is going to be. I also highly recommend that you eat breakfast within one hour of waking up. And ideally, it's at the same time every day. And by doing that, you're going to get the benefits of regulating your circadian rhythms with the regular meal times, just like you would on intermittent fasting. You don't have to fast to get those benefits. So trying to keep the schedule as consistent as possible, as far as your wake up time, as far as when you give yourself breakfast and start your fueling for the day. If you're thinking about intermittent fasting, and especially if you're thinking about intermittent fasting as a female, I challenge you to get really honest with yourself about why you're doing it. Are you following promises that you've seen on social media? Are you feeling enchanted by a success story that you've heard about someone that engaged in intermittent fasting? Intermittent fasting is definitely not for everyone. There are so many benefits of it, and I'm not denying that. And everyone is different. Everyone's bodies, everyone's biology respond different to things. Intermittent fasting is not for everyone. Intermittent fasting is amazing for some. So I can't give you a definitive yes or no one way or the other, but if you're thinking about doing it, I challenge you to get really honest with yourself about why you're doing it. I engaged in intermittent fasting for a long time. The reason that I was doing it is because in my diet mentality mind, I thought it was an easy, surefire way to make sure that I didn't overeat. I was scared that I wasn't going to be able to regulate my own appetite if I was eating regularly throughout the day, if I was eating from the time that I woke up to two hours before bed. I was afraid of that. I didn't trust my body to be able to eat all day. So I had to restrict myself to a certain window and I did it as a safety mechanism. If that mentality resonates with you, I very much challenge you to try to move away from intermittent fasting. No matter what it is, when we approach a protocol out of fear, when we approach a protocol with an unwillingness to trust our bodies, it's not going to benefit us. The things that are most beneficial for our bodies come from listening to it, from actually paying attention to what it needs and doing our best to give our bodies whatever that is. I hope this has been helpful, guys. I hope it's given you some more considerations about whether you should or shouldn't intermittent fast. If you have more questions, please don't hesitate to reach out. I appreciate all of you so much. Thank you again for listening. I hope everyone has an awesome week this week. 
Be on the lookout for the next episode of How Do You Feel coming out next Monday morning. As always, you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, lots of other podcasting platforms. Please, if you're enjoying what you're hearing on How Do You Feel, or you think that this topic could benefit someone in your life, please share the show with them. It's the best way to spread the word about the podcast. Okay, guys, have an awesome day. Make sure you get out there and do something that makes you feel good.